0: Hello, everyone, and welcome to Molly Movie Club. I'm Casey Muratori.
1: I'm Anna Rutberg.
0: And this is a brand new month of movies. Ensemble cast is the theme for the month. And the lead-off movie is Pulp Fiction.
1: Pulp Fiction, which I thought I had seen before, but I kind of wonder if I hadn't. Uh, It felt like I was seeing this for the first time. This is a, a real wild movie.
0: Yeah, how do you... That's... That's the one thing I wouldn't have thought someone could think about pulp fiction that they're not sure if they've seen. It.
1: <laughs> well, I think it's possible that I would have like half watched it at one point or something, like not really paying okay. attention because I don't know maybe I was watching it with a group of people. Something like that might have happened, but this is definitely the first time that I've actually like paid attention to it. Uh, I think it's definitely. Especially like when it, the earlier parts for me was a little, a little bit of a struggle to like pay attention, because it's all talking. Uh, as we've talked about, sometimes that's not so much my thing. Right. But maybe like half an hour, forty five minutes in, gets into like a really good groove where the scenes, the little like vignettes start getting really entertaining. Um, and at that point, I was like all in. It was great.
0: Well, f- for me, this movie has has some of everything which is kind of a nice aspect of it right like it it has it looks great I really enjoy the way it's put together Mm -hmm. Um, you know the the camera work in it I feel like shows a, a real love for like creativity in movies. There's just so many times when it's doing things like, you know, shooting up from the trunk when they open it up at the Mm -hmm, beginning. mm -hmm. All those little things. Someone, each shot, they tried to do something interesting Well, there's also
1: like a lot of really long takes, especially for the dialogue heavy scenes where it's almost like, I would say almost like a play, but it's not because the the, the way in which the characters move around in the camera shots make it feel not at all like a play, right? Um it's like this very tightly choreographed sequence.
0: Yeah, like in that opening when they walk into the hotel. Yes uh, that's or the main no, thing. I guess it's an apartment building, but yeah, they yeah. walk along the 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 hallway. There's a great shot where they walk away from the door that they're at and the camera stays yes, yes. and they're framed in the and yes. it's just like it's always, There there was, a re, there was a really easy way to shoot this movie and they didn't do that. Mm-hmm. They always tried to do something fun and I feel like I appreciated that as well because it keeps the movie, it doesn't have to run just on the fact that the dialogue is fantastically weird.
1: Yeah, and, uh, the, and I love the structure of it too. I love the sort of like these individual little stories that weave together in interesting ways and they don't even weave, to, it's not even like... Like, the time is out of order, right? Like, we'll see... Like, the last scene obviously happens before a scene we see earlier in the movie because John Travolta's character dies (laughs) in one of the scenes in the movie. And it's just... It's really fun the way that they, they weave together, but they feel completely unrelated.
0: Yeah, and that... The whole, like, environment that they create feels so tangibly real. This is one of the aspects of those interweaving stories that I think works really well. Like... Vincent Vegas says hi to Mia Wallace when he goes into the room after the boxer's been killed, for example, mm-hmm. or uh, Butch is talking to Marcellus Wallace in the bar before, in in before we've seen who Butch is or what he's doing, right? right? Right. And all these little, like, placement of the characters or aspects. Uh, Another really subtle one but I love is Vincent Vega has a book he reads in the bathroom. Mm -hmm. And every time he goes to the bathroom, he has it. There's two separate times we see him with it in completely different stories, basically. Uh, And I feel like those sorts of things... I don't know if you had this experience as well, but when you watch the movie... It feels to me like really expansive. Like it feels like this big wor- world with all this stuff happening in it to me. And the credits, there's like you know twelve actors or something. It's actually pretty small. Yeah, it is. It's like you know normally the movies have this huge list of actors. Should've had very few, and uh, and I th- just think that that's that's in the writing of like just having these things all feel like they're taking place in a real world and tying them together like the 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 guy who sells the drugs and you know coming back to him after and all all that stuff just makes it feel like this real place even though there's there's hardly anyone in it actually surprisingly
1: yeah i mean i guess i would agree with you i don't know if i feel like it's like super expansive in some ways it feels like a fairly like small scope like story because we're just seeing the same people again um but i like how different everyone's little story is.
0: Maybe expansive was the wrong word. I just mean uh, real. Like it feels like the yeah. whole world exists. Like everything, you know is, I mean? everything
1: is exactly like everything is existing. Yes. At the same time in the same world. And I kind of like that about the non chronological part of this because it's just kind of fun to see how things slot in together, uh, even though it might have happened before or after something we've already seen. Uh, like we have extra, we kind of like that at that point have like extra context or why this happened in a certain way. Um, so yeah, definitely it's, I think the structure of this movie is like, it's so well done. It feels, I mean, I think this is a Quentin Tarantino thing where it just feels like a movie made by somebody who loves film.
0: Absolutely. Um, I, I think
1: that's one of the best things about Quentin Tarantino is like his love of the medium and, and the way in which he you know, because, like, we talk all the time about how there aren't, like, a lot of good modern directors, and yeah. and Quentin Tarantino would absolutely be one where it's, like, he yeah. has a very distinctive voice and style and a love of the medium, and it feels, like, every time you watch one of his movies, and I would say it's probably, like, most present even in this one, um, you really feel the love of, like, filmmaking.
0: Absolutely. Like, that's, and part of that, I I should have probably mentioned that when I was talking about that camera work, where you can tell that... especially because there's two ways that kind of thing can feel. It can definitely feel heavy handed and like people are just trying to be flashy. Yeah. So I get that feeling when I watch a Guy Ritchie movie, for example, I'm like, nah, you know, um, With Quentin Tarantino, it never none of that stuff feels flashy. It feels like he just loves that shot, like he's seen that shot in a movie one time a long time ago when he was at the theaters in 1970 or something, right? As a kid or whatever, and he loved like seeing such and such come out of a doorway or whatever. So he remembered that and wanted to put that in in a movie, and that's why he's doing the shot, not because he's trying to show off or whatever. And I, I feel like it you know who knows why i'm not saying that's why he's doing it i'm just saying that's what you feel like is happening when you watch the movie not just like this person's trying to show off with camera work right and that feels that way throughout the whole movie to me
1: yeah and there's definitely a lot of creativity too like it almost feels like there's it's like there's an art film or experimental film element to this where he's definitely just trying some stuff and with the structure too like the structure is unusual um and i feel like even though those things are happening, the movie itself never feels like a sort of pretentious art film thing. There's I think because there's this there's this like silliness to it that I really like. Like all the things that are happening are kind of silly in a way. The a lot of the conversations are super silly. And that's like obviously very Quentin Tarantino. That that's part of his style, but uh I think it's so great. I think it really helps like it, there's such a nice balance between this sort of like serious experimental structure and filmmaking combined with like content that's actually pretty silly and ridiculous like the characters are all great but they're all like they're so strange
0: well I think that's one of the reasons why this movie is sort of a standout movie in Quentin Tarantino's like lineup right is because I feel like he does a I mean he makes really good movies uh in general, and the two movies on either side of this, I want to say were uh Reservoir Dogs was the predecessor, and Jackie Brown was the successor. I think if I have that chronology correct i didn't look it up i 'm just going off of my memory of what happened so that but that may be wrong and uh if you look at at like those two movies, they have a lot in common actually with pulp fiction, a lot in common with pulp fiction, but neither of them has as sort of caricaturish, uh larger-than-life sort of people and ideas in it. Mm-hmm. They're much more straightforward in a lot of ways. They're both really good films, but they don't hit the same high point. And I feel like the reason is specifically that is that Quentin Tarantino's tone matches perfectly with this kind of a story something where really outlandish literally pulp fiction stuff is happening um and it's really great it it's like the perfect it's the perfect thing for him to do it's the perfect subject matter for him to cover and i don't think anyone else could have done this movie this way it's like It's perfect for him, and he's perfect for it.
1: I kind of feel like it probably is sort of like if you had to pick one Quentin Tarantino movie, that's probably his most.
0: I mean, there's no question. It would be Pulp Fiction
1: because I haven't seen all of his movies, uh, especially his older ones. I've seen more of his recent ones because I've seen like Django and Hateful Eight, and the most recent one, what was that? The Hollywood one.
0: Once upon a time in Hollywood.
1: Yeah, and I feel like I don't know. They just they were definitely they felt very Quentin Tarantino, but. I feel like you know, something like Django or something where the ending just devolves into this like gruesome violence thing. I don't know, it just feels like so over the top and and also serious, like a little bit like leaning too self-serious or something. I don't know. I felt like this movie felt so much better where it's like it has the classic sort of Tarantino violence, but it's like used so strategically. Yes. Like I think of the 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 scene in the car where he accidentally shoots the guy, right? Which is just so well done, Um, and it's like, I think he kind of in some of his later movies went a little overboard with some of that, where it's like it's just for like shock value, but not not as like strategically used, and it just ends up being kind of like eh.
0: Well, I mean, one thing you have to think about with Pulp Fiction is that this is a movie which manages to play Anal Rape as comedy. Mm -hmm. I don't know any way to do that. Like, it doesn't make sense that you can even do that, right? Mm -hmm. But the scene with the gimp is amazing, and I'm chuckling through the stuff that's happening in this scene. It's sort of like a thing where he's it's not just the violence right he's using the violence to put you in an uncomfortable state and then he's doing something silly to release that that uncomfortable tension he's built
1: it's such a strange feeling it's such
0: a strange feeling and it makes this movie so unique if it was just like a anal rape revenge scene it would be harsh and unsettling and you know, it wouldn't have the same kind of weird charm that Pulp Fiction has where you're like, How was I laughing when a guy got his head blown off in the back of a car? Right. Is what you come away thinking about, but but that's but you were, right? Yes, exactly. It's like when John Travolta says, Oh man, I shot Marvin in the face. Right? Mm-hmm. Like it it doesn't make sense and it but it works fantastically well. Yep. And so I feel like that's why I say this movie's perfect. I don't it's completely implausible that these things work on an audience but they absolutely do and did at that time everyone loved this film when it came out i remember seeing it in the theater and just being like totally amazed because it was so different than what was coming out in the 90s uh it was just completely different and so yeah i i think it's i think it's definitely a masterpiece of his and i love this movie i've seen it a dozen times and every time I watch it, it's just delightful. It's almost like watching a, uh, you know, a symphony or something, you know, all the pieces, but you just love to hear it. It's just, you know, Yeah. yeah. And
1: I think he does in this movie, he absolutely manages to capture that, that like weird tonal thing just right. Cause I think in later movies he has tried and not, not really succeeded as well. I think that's a really tricky thing to do. Depend And it really, the type of story you're trying to tell Matters a lot. like I think the reason, for example, for me, like Django didn't really capture that is because I think it was too serious about the motivations of the character, like revenge and all these things where the you know, it's like it almost feels like it, it needs for that tone to work. It has to skew more like comedy and um like like the fact that somebody yeah, like you said, somebody gets shot in the face and you don't you're not like horrified by it. Yeah, it's so strange. I don't quite understand actually how he manages to like capture that thing. I think it's pretty skillfully done.
0: It's remarkable. And, you know, I have to believe that also part of that besides just the writing, which is obviously, you know, just uh, off the charts. Amazing. Cause nobody, I mean, after Pulp Fiction, a bunch of people write movies like this. None of them are as good, but before Pulp Fiction, nobody wrote anything like this. I mean, you, you know, in the, in the eighties, and early 90s before this movie came out you can go watch anything there's nothing like this i mean there's nothing with this tone there's nothing that's attempting anything like this there were sort of comedy violent movies and stuff like that but they did not have anything like what's going on in this movie. i feel like the Um, only other
1: director well like the directors i guess that i can think of that can kind of do this would be the coen brothers um i think they their movies also tend to have that a similar sort of vibe where it's kind of I guess they lean a little more scary sometimes, scary funny.
0: But most of their stuff that is that way is after this movie.
1: Totally, but I think they are they,
0: even working in after this has happened. Totally, right?
1: yeah. I think they're they're maybe the only other directors that I can think of that can actually kind of like nail that weird tone.
0: Definitely, they do it a different way, but they've they've definitely got the ability to do. Like to be honest, yeah. I think Fargo is their in, classic in example of something well, like that. Well, and also right?
1: like in my head. This movie and, like, The Big Lebowski right. have a lot in common. That's a good point, um, yeah. Obviously, The Big Lebowski, I think, skews a lot more just comedy. Yeah. Um, but it has, like, I would say they feel very similar to me, actually. Yeah.
0: and but again, I re- that's downstream of Pulp Fiction, totally, right? Totally, totally. You know, so so yeah. I, I feel like, yeah, you can now find movies that have a Pulp Fiction feel to them, but it was... It's basically impossible to find that beforehand, at least to my... If if there was one, I didn't see it.
1: No, it definitely... It's a pretty Uh, remarkable movie because it feels, like, so confident uh, in what it is and what it's doing, yet it's probably one of the first movies to do anything like that.
0: So, I also think that, you know, that there's the, obviously, like, deeply sort of... uh, The ones that are all the way off the charts on that uh, sort of violent comedy Mm -hmm. scale, like... Anna rape scene, Marvin getting shot in the face, uh, the part where uh, Mia Wallace is dying of a of an OD, mm-hmm. and their argument like my little black medical book, right? Mm-hmm. Like all that mm-hmm. stuff. Yeah. Uh, there's there's a lot of parts like that, obviously, and they work amazingly well. But it actually the movie kind of maintains that ability everywhere, like you know, even the opening where he's like, you know. They're arguing about the foot massage, right? <laughs> and he's like, I gave a million ladies a million foot massages and they all meant something. You know, it t- and, and the response after the ending of that from Samuel L. Jackson is, it's an interesting point. It's just hilarious. <laughs> like, it's like, it, he, he captures this sort of incredibly natural conversational tone in even though the thing is ridiculous, what's happening. And he gets that all the time. When Butch... Butch's interactions with his uh, with his partner are amazing. Like, when he freaks out in the hotel room and he's throwing the things around, calling her a whore, and then immediately he stops himself. And you can see, like, he's worked on this anger mm-hmm. problem before. Basically, he's like you didn't know, like, I should have, I I failed to, you know, He kind of goes almost yeah, like yeah. therapy, right? And yeah. then you cut to him in the car, and he's like, of all the things you can fucking forget, like, all of that stuff is hilarious. Like, it's like they've captured an entire person who's so bizarre uh, but still relatable in this way uh, that you just can't help love this movie. I mean, it's just hilarious and weird and ridiculous. Yeah, the um,
1: conversations in this are, like, I mean, as I said before, I think the, the f- couple of opening scenes, like the one in the diner, I kind of struggle with partly because I could hardly understand what the guy was saying. Um, Yeah. So that's like, a, it was a little bit of a rough opening scene, I think, just for that reason. Tim
0: Tim Roth? I don't, his name? The, I don't know. I don't know. I
1: know the, the woman Does is you know Amanda Plummer, I think. Yeah. I don't remember the guy's name. But anyway, I found that, I think that was a little bit of a, maybe not the best opening scene partly because of that it was just hard to understand what he was saying um just because his accent was like pretty thick uh and then and then you have that opening scene where it's like i mean i love the concept of this the the two hitmen guys yeah like i love the idea of just seeing the things that happen between the the moments that in a normal quote-unquote story, the would be the story moments, right? Like the things, the, what they, the, the, what the hitmen are doing, who they're going to kill. That's like the plot stuff. But this movie is way more interested in what happens before that or after that than that moment, right? And that's pretty fun, um, yeah. And their and their conversations do manage to capture this this like kind of magical thing that can happen i mean we we were getting lunch one day and we heard like a quentin yes. tarantino conversation yes, happening, we did. and it was just so great it was like these two guys talking about like one guy thought that the brown eggs were like artificially colored to be more expensive or it something was, it was the
0: most quentin tarantino was, thing i've ever heard in yeah. real life it was like two guys who worked for a delivery service i think it was mm-hmm. or something like that they had a van mm-hmm. that, that was parked and one guy, and, and they both looked kind of quintessential. Well, there was Tarantino. like one
1: black guy, one, one white guy. They were like, um, yeah. They were-
0: <laughs> uh, I, I think one guy was Hispanic. And he was wearing, they were both wearing like these sort of like outfits that were like appropriate for the, the job. I can't remember exactly what it was, but they had on these, they looked like kind of like their characters. Yeah. And um, one of the guys was sitting down and the other guy was kind of standing up and they were, one guy had had, had chickens. And so he knew about the egg. This came out later in the conversation. <laughs> yeah. So he knew that all the eggs were the same. Like,
1: the chickens just lay different he's colored like, eggs. It has y- to do with the breed of the chicken or yeah, whatever. Yeah, because he'd
0: had... Right? And so and, he, and so like they're having, so he's like, No, man, all the eggs are the same. doesn't matter if they're brown or white. Right? And the other guy was like... Ah, oh, the brown eggs are, you know, ridiculous. Like, those are the organic those, eggs. Like Those they... are, yeah, you don't want those or something like that. Yeah. And then the guy was like, have you ever had chickens? And he's like, no. He's like, well, I have. And he's like, it sounded exactly <laughs> it was, like Quentin it was Tarantino. Amazing. It was It was amazing. so amazing. And I was like, okay, that's perfect. Like, uh, if he was here right now, he would write this down. Yeah. Because he's you like, I'm putting that in the movie. You
1: can see in moments like that where you're like, Quentin Tarantino is like probably saving up all these little things he's like watched or experienced. Yeah, yeah. Um. And then he's just he's just obviously very creative.
0: Yeah. But it was it, you could have imagined Vincent Vega and Marcellus Wallace.
1: It was like, like, literally, like literally I could have com- imagined yes.
0: Samuel L. Jackson yes. and and uh, and uh, uh, John Travolta, literally replacing these two guys and saying these lines. That's how it yes. was, you know. And they and like I said, they had like outfits that's just like in this movie. They've got sort of semi-matching outfits, yep. like but not really. Yeah, the, the look of all perfect. the
1: look of all the characters as an illustrator as a person who does characters the character design in this movie is gr- amazing like mm-hmm. you look at vincent vega right like the the weird mullet and like the yep. everything about him and and same with samuel L. jackson's character
0: yep, yep all the
1: characters in this movie have that vibe to them or just like they look so distinctive and strange maybe not all of them i mean like bruce willis he fits his character perfectly but he's like he's bruce willis right yeah um but like, yeah, like, or the, like you said, like the gimp or something. Like oh, these, the gimp is like, amazing. Um, Just, just, you never know what's going to happen next in this movie at all. And it's always surprising.
0: The gimp scene is probably the best example of that. Where, like, you think what's happening is a fight between Marcellus and Butch. But then the weird, like, southern, like, guy, guy who runs the pawn shop or I don't really know what that shop is but I assume pawn shop yeah cause it's
1: got random stuff in it
0: they turn out to be running this weird like rape ring in the basement with like a guy who's locked in a box when they have that scene where he's like bring out the gimp and the guy's like I think the gimp's sleeping he's like well I guess you better go wake him up then and you're like the first time you see it you're like what (laughs) and then he goes back and there's like a five minute it's not five minutes like a minute but of him like unlocking things and opening things with all these like great foley clangs and clanks and (laughs) this guy gets out completely in leather and you're just like what is happening in this film it's amazing
1: yeah you never know what's gonna happen
0: I mean, that's the, I think the reason why I love it so much is because I'm so used to going to the movies and seeing what I expect.
1: Yeah. I mean, I think there's
0: nothing I didn't expect a single sentence of this film. It's completely unpredictable and yet feels completely natural. It's amazing.
1: One of the other really good examples of that is when Vincent shoots, um... The guy in the face. I can't remember the character's name.
0: Yeah, Marvin.
1: Marvin. He shoots Marvin in the face, and it's, like, completely out of... Like, it surprises everyone in the car, right? It was an accident, and it's just, like, all the se- the sequence of events that follows from there, right? Like, you were never expecting that to happen. You thought the scene was going one way, and then it turns out it's going a totally different direction.
0: Yes. You thought they were just talking about the miracle, right? Mm-hmm. But, but mm-hmm. actually, they <laughs> now yeah. they got to deal with yep. with the dead body, yep. yeah. and
1: I love the way it all ties together at the end. Like the last scene ties to the first scene. It's just like as soon as you see the diner, you're like, ah, awesome. Yeah, you know what yeah. I mean? You're, it's like it's a really cool moment.
0: It just like begins and ends in the same place, which feels very natural for this movie.
1: It's great. It's just such a great idea, um, and especially you have these two characters at the very in the very first scene who we've never seen since. Like you just see them then, and then they come back at the end. It's it's just super clever.
0: I also love um, this. I feel like this is in a, uh, sort of a, a tie in a Mulholland Drive tie in mm. for me. Uh, we never find out what's in the briefcase. Yes. And there's all these people who have theories about what's in the briefcase and all that stuff. But just like Mulholland Drive, I don't want to know what's in the briefcase. To me, like that is not the goal of watching this movie is not to figure out what's in a briefcase. I love the fact that there is something magical in this briefcase that we don't know what it is. Is way better than knowing what's in the briefcase. There's nothing, there's no Um, answer
1: to what's in the briefcase that could be anywhere as satisfying as as not knowing. knowing.
0: And so to me, I loved that element of this movie too. And I just I thought that was fantastic.
1: And it's like the glow on people's faces, like it's mystical and strange and like so heightened.
0: Is that well, I think it is, right? It's so good. Because you don't know. Yeah, <laughs> or like yeah. Vincent looks like, Like, are we happy? Vincent, are we happy? We happy, <laughs> right? It's so good. Yep. Yeah. Yep.
1: Yeah, because you never really know like what this whole crime organization, like you don't even know what they really do or what they're no, about. No, you don't.
0: Because you, do, Marcellus Wallace, what does he do? There's not really ever a, a statement about what it is. Uh, you imagine it's organized crime of some kind, but who knows what kind? Mm-hmm. Don't know. Mm-hmm. I don't know what kind of organized crime. I mean, I guess drugs in LA it would be or I don't know.
1: Who knows? It's never it's It's never never really mentioned. So um the only thing we really ever see is this mysterious suitcase. Uh so yeah. I don't know. It's there's so many original creative things in this movie.
0: I love how they accentuate things with the camera too in this film. The uh they'll do things like hold on um so there's two things I'll, I'll point out. One is where Jules is talking to Brett. And he goes like, mind if I have some of your tasty burger whatever <laughs> it, or whatever it is? whatever. I don't remember what he says. But like they hold on his face while he's like chewing this burger. And they just like the camera like frames his eyes almost just. And they're really creepy. Like he's like mm-hmm. staring at the mm-hmm. guy. Super unsettling. And then he like drinks the soda and he's just like (laughs) and puts it down. Like those things are so well done in this film. Another one is when they hold on Butch for a long time while Marcellus Wallace is talking to him about like he has to like take a fall in the fight. That's
1: the first shot. That's the that's like the opening shot of the Bruce like uh, Bruce Willis character. Yeah. That's like the first time we see him. And it's like. It's really interesting shot, right? Like that's why I say there's there's a lot of this movie that feels like an art film. Yes. Uh, even though the film doesn't really feel like an art film, I think no. because of the tone, but like the, the 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 movie really is quite experimental.
0: The other thing is the monologue with uh, Christopher Walken.
1: Oh my god.
0: is absolutely breathtaking. It's
1: amazing.
0: Best thing I've ever seen Christopher Walken do and it's a highlight of this movie and the,
1: yeah the the way it's shot like the oh way he God. comes in and, and gets room, closer and too, closer it's
0: beautiful it's yep. a gorgeous set
1: i mean you could almost forget about it in this whole movie of these vignettes or whatever yeah. but it's like the fact that that, that they they were like we're going to put this scene in this movie yeah it's so good like it, it's just the i love the the sort of creativity of like we have all these ideas and you know quentin tarantino has these ideas and he's going to figure out a way to like slot them all in here um and well, some don't of forget the story, Roger Avery. Sure. And, like, some of the stories are longer and bigger, and some of them are really tiny. Like, I like that that you never know, right? Like, sometimes it'll take just a couple of scenes or one scene yeah. to tell this little story, and sometimes it'll it will take up a big chunk of the movie. Um, and it doesn't—it's just all over the place with that, and I love that.
0: The thing about that speech with Christopher Walken is, that I find so remarkable is— it manages to have this entire, like, narrative arc both for, like, what's happening in the story and also for the person who's telling it. Because, like, it captures the fact that, like, this person is trying to give a motivational, like, meaningful speech to to his, you know, his dead friend's son. Mm -hmm. And he sort of pulls it off sometimes. But then other times, like he's super racist or like using all these swear words to describe how or, it was. Or just like he kept it up his ass yeah, the whole what time. Yeah, what they're talking about is it's like super disturbing. Wa- yeah, it's like the watches yeah. just
1: up been up their butts for like yeah. months at a time, and yeah. he's like, "Here, take this yeah. butt watch." It's like, yeah. what? Is-
0: and it's like the, the way they weave that stuff together where at times it feels super momentous and then all of a sudden it degrades and he's like, he doesn't try Gave me the watch. Like they, they even had the pacing and yeah, Christopher yeah. Walken, I assume a lot of this is directing and a lot of this is just Christopher Walken being hilarious. But it comes together to just this amazing dynamic scene that again, just like the rest of the movie is always keeping you on your toes you think you're about to hear one thing you hear something totally different and it's just it's just so charming i
1: also i love that it sort of it ends up tying back to what happens with butch at the end right like the the like brotherhood of these prisoners of war yes there's some bond there now and so he lets him go and it just ties into that that sort of origin story with the watch and the prisoners of war and it's just like it's it's pretty great
0: uh that was another one of those things where you're just like this person loves movies mm-hmm. where uh, when Butch is escaping up the stairs and he has that, like, I can't leave him here moment. Mm-hmm. And he turns back around and goes to pick a weapon mm-hmm. and he holds like each weapon and like is like, what am I going to do with yeah, this one? Yep, yep. And then he sees the sword up in the thing and he like takes it out. Right. It's just that whole that whole sequence of shots of him doing that just felt like there was such a tangible love of film because he's not saying anything mm-hmm. right. He's just, we're just seeing this character go through these motions and the camera is emphasizing each one of them uh, well, leading yeah. up to looking down from the sword yeah, yeah, to Butch You
1: can't see what he's and you seeing. see him. Look, right? yep. that's,
0: perfect filmmaking. Yeah. It's just, it's, it's like almost a textbook like perfect because yeah, you've scene. seen
1: him grab a chainsaw and yeah. then he looks up at something like, ooh, this is better. And, yeah. he, and as an audience, we're like, well, what did he find? What yes. did he find? You know, it's <laughs> yeah. like, it's, he's so good at building up the suspense and the tension. It's so expertly done.
0: Since it is Ensemble Cast Month. Sure. We'll mention, I mean, we've already talked about just how many people are in this movie and all of them are fantastic. Almost... By far, the let tone of this movie is Quentin Tarantino. Mm -hmm. He just cannot act well enough when he's in a movie with these people. I mean, you can't have so many great actors who are all, honestly, you know, I mean... People wouldn't normally say Bruce Willis is an amazing actor or anything like that. He's a good action movie guy. And he's
1: a good actor. But I think we've said this before in this podcast. He's actually an excellent actor. That's he what really I was going to say. Yeah. It's like
0: in this movie, you can actually see he's like, no, he's doing a fantastic job. All of this pacing and different tones to who he's relating to. He's Giving a tremendous performance, right? Obviously, I think he
1: gets that. I think it's just because he tends, his, he's more...
0: He's like, usually given one-note stuff to do. Yeah, yeah.
1: yeah, his 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 roles are normally like, yeah. kind of, yeah, you're just this action guy. But he's he's actually just an excellent
0: actor. That's what I'm saying. Yeah. So, you you know, in this movie, you can see, it's amazing, right? And Christopher Walken, best thing he's ever done by far. I mean, I love Christopher Walken, but I don't know how you top this. Mm-hmm. It's It's pitch perfect. Uh, and his face is perfect for it, too. You know, mm-hmm. that kind of, like, he he emotes so much, like, confusion in parts of it or whatever. He he totally got everything, uh, the whole thing. And his trademark sort of stiffness of delivery sometimes yeah, yep. is not a hindrance. It's an asset to this performance. Absolutely. And so it, it all just works perfectly. Um, obviously, uh, Ving Rames, this is his, like, I mean, his most iconic role for sure. Uh, you've got Samuel L. Jackson. This was the thing that really defined him, like the the bad motherfucker wallet and all this stuff. I mean, everyone remembers this stuff. Uh, it's for John Travolta. There's a meme of him literally like yeah, looking oh around and thing, right? Yes. Um, there's so many people. I uh, I thought like uh, so Uma Thurman. I thought she was good, not great. I don't know her performance is a little bit like she, I feel like she kind of had more trouble with his style dialogue than the other actors did for whatever reason um, still good though mm-hmm. and when well, the
1: scene she was in was really good like the the whole scene in that weird restaurant and all of that yes. was just a, it was a really good scene
0: um th- obviously like the actress who I don't even know who they are so well I mean there's Tim temp- Tim Roth, I believe, is the guy's name. Who he's he's semi famous. Who's and Amanda Plummer. Those are both actors people know. Uh, but like the the French girl who butches with mm-hmm. uh, the uh, t- the drug dealer. I yeah. don't know who that yeah. is. But he's amazingly good, mm-hmm. and his wife is amazingly good. Um, all of those people are fantastic, right? And so everyone in this movie is giving a fantastic performance. Really.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Or at least a very good one.
1: Except Quentin Tarantino. And Quentin
0: Tarantino is just so bad.
1: I, yeah, I guess, I don't know if I would say he's so bad, but I do think he stands out as being, like, not,
0: I can like, just imagine, not on the same yeah, level
1: as everyone around him. This and is it, and yeah. it's like, you rec- I think the other problem with it is that you know, it like, Quentin Tarantino is so recognizable.
0: So are all the other people.
1: I guess that's true. Yeah, I uh, Samuel Jackson's
0: true. immediately every time he that's shows true, up. That's true. That's true. And you know, his you... voice is so distinctive. His look is so distinctive. But there's something
1: but... I don't know. Like there's something kind of weirdly disruptive about seeing the director of a movie suddenly appear, like at a random time toward the end where it kind of like pulls you out of it and then he's not that good.
0: I don't think there's anything weird about the director appearing in the movie. I think it's just he's yeah. just not a good actor. Well, I guess actor. it's just
1: cuz he's not If you if he were really really great, you would just be like, "Oh, hey, it's Quentin Tarantino," and then you just walk Exactly, the scene. like you're like, yeah. "Oh, it's
0: John Travolta," yeah, right, yeah, or whatever. Exactly, or exactly. "Oh, it's Christopher Walken," which is the first thing you think when he walks on it's the true, screen It's true, it's true. But yeah. it doesn't matter because he gives an amazing performance, so you're not thinking like, "Oh, it's a Christopher Walken." Right, but when
1: it's like, "Oh, it's the director and he wants to play this role in this movie, but yeah. he's not really up to it," and you're just like, aware of that he's like not quite i would call this like
0: almost a perfect movie if you just had decided to cast a regular actor in that place because it's not so much that he does anything obviously bad like it's not so much that you're like oh he's totally messing this up or something it's just he doesn't have the gravitas for this kind of a movie everyone else is delivering larger than life performances these are like big performances Mm -hmm. right and he can't, yeah. I he's think it's like, he he's just a small performer. He doesn't yeah. have that size. Uh, I think you definitely so, need you, you you
1: probably needed someone in that role with maybe like a slightly more like nervous chaotic sort of energy uh,
0: I mean if Philip Seymour Hoffman had done that it would have been freaking amazing or something well, right? okay, I don't but, know but there's a lot of yeah. whoever right some they ha- everybody in this movie was a good actor they just just pick another good actor I'm sure they would have wanted to do it I mean he got everyone to say yes to this movie Bruce Willis yeah, yeah, I mean I think Zach it's just and, like he just, he
1: just wanted to be in it for some reason yeah and,
0: he always has little like like, cameos in these films. He was in Reservoir Dogs as a character as well.
1: Yeah. But, yeah, no, I, I would definitely agree with that, that he's sort of, like, the weakest link of the ensemble cast. Yeah.
0: And I feel like it's a bummer because, oh, we didn't mention Harvey Keitel. Also, I don't love Harvey Keitel most, in most movies, to be completely honest. Fantastic in this. Absolutely fantastic in this. Um, Which is probably also a testament to Quentin Tarantino being a good director. Like, he oh, obviously yeah. gives good... Prompts or like sets up the thing well for. Well, people. and a good writer.
1: I mean, the the, oh, yeah. the writing in this movie is is like yeah yeah. It's incredible. Like he's giving them so much to work with, right? With just the writing.
0: Other ensemble cast, harder to notice things. Uh, Steve Buscemi.
1: Right, I saw him in, in the, the credits, and I was like, where? He what? was the
0: he was the waiter.
1: That's at crazy. Jack Rose Slims. That's crazy. I think
0: it's before anyone knew who he was. Uh, Kathy Lee Griffin. As herself is how she's credited. What? So Where is she? She's, which is the weirdest credit I've ever seen. I don't know why it's that way. But when she finds Marcellus Wallace on the ground, he's like, that guy just accelerated right in and hit you. That's Kathy Lee Griffin. That's so weird. Yes. That's so weird. But, and I don't know why it says as herself. So is the, is like yeah, this supposed to be. They're in LA be, and they're just. It's like literally just Kathy Lee Griffin found them. So I guess we now know what time period this takes place in. <laughs> So it's pretty weird. That is very weird. Um, even uh, Esmeralda Villalopos is much better in this movie than Quentin Tarantino. And again, have no idea who she is. But basically everyone is better than Quentin Tarantino. And so I, I think that's a bummer. It was a bummer that he cast himself. But what can you do? Easy to overlook because the rest of the movie is so good. But wish, wish they didn't do that.
1: Yeah. No, I definitely, I, I, I would agree with you there. I don't know if it, I think it brings it down as much as you do. But I definitely agree that. Um, it's just because I'm
0: imagining what would happen if you'd had a real actress saying the line. Yeah,
1: no, and that's totally true. If you had had if you'd had somebody else, um, it probably would have been a lot better. Because uh, I don't think I don't feel like he's bringing much to it. Like I think it's almost like he's the he's the guy who wrote it, and so you almost hear like he's playing like Quentin Tarantino weirdly. Like he just. He's sounding like the guy who wrote this, but he's not acting, if that makes sense. like he's, exactly. not, he's not adding a character to it. He just sounds like the script sounds.
0: Exactly. It sounds like what he's doing is telling an actor how the scene's supposed to go. Yeah. Yes. Right? <laughs> it's like, I imagine if you just took that, it's like, I imagine that's what he would say to the actor who actually should have been playing those lines. It's like, oh, it's like this. It's like, you know, knock it off, Julie. Mm-hmm. But he says it in a tone that's like telling someone else how to say "knock it off, Julie." He's not really saying "knock it off, Julie" like an actor, mm-hmm. right?
1: Mm-hmm. No, uh, I, I agree. It's like there's no, there's no character. It's just Quentin Tarantino
0: and and presence and like projection, mm-hmm. like that. You know, even movies are bigger than than real life, especially well, especially this, movie. this kind of movie. Yeah. Uh, and so you know, it just doesn't you know. I mean, anybody, you could literally, I think, put any actor in there who has a presence and it would have been, you know, William Shatner. I don't <laughs> care. It would have been amazing, right? Now, know, anyone am. you put in there would have been great compared to Quentin Tarantino because they would have had some affectation that would then let it mesh with all the rest of the characters who are all very affected. They all have a lot of personality. And so the one thing I think you can't put in this movie is no personality. And that's what Quentin Tarantino kind of was. He's a zero personality person. And it and just sticks a, out like a sore thumb. And
1: you can sort of hear in the script the personality of this character. He's kind of yes. nervous. Yes. And, you know, these guys have just come into his house yeah. and he's like. He's terrified
0: you know, his wife is yeah, going to come Yeah, Exactly. Home. And
1: it's like, I think he doesn't give off that sort of like anxious energy that I think he needs to be giving off. Yeah. I think that scene needed that too. That scene sort of needed that like. Yeah. chaotic element right that guy who's just a little bit like yeah. <laughs> right yeah. like I think it, it needed that and he was not giving that vibe off he was like weirdly like snarky or like yeah. overly confident or something like I don't think that it fit what was actually in the script kind of I don't know yep so anyway I I agree with you there
0: yeah and yeah I mean what else can you say
1: Anyway, well, yeah. So,
0: but anyway, fantastic film. Even with Quentin Tarantino bringing it down a notch, still one of the best films. Definitely one of those top five for me.
1: Oh wow, top five. Oh
0: yeah, oh yeah. Amazing. Um, I mean, I just I love new idea kinds of things. I love well, and it's things also talky.
1: He- it's talking heavy. I
0: love things that have great dialogue. Yeah. I love creative screenplay work and this movie has it all and then on top of that i i just thought it was a good looking film it looks good the sets are great the characters like you said excellent design a lot of fun camera work um even some of the cinematography just straight up stuff is very good I, like the shot of uh of vincent vega driving down the boulevard is a really nice shot and mm-hmm. the shot of butch in the
1: i think the only the only time where I feel like the filmmaking is bad is the scene in the car, the cab. Yeah. That's, like, just crap.
0: I don't know why. Um,
1: and every Because, like, the rest of the movie looks pretty good. Like, it maybe It's not going to win some, like, best, most right. beautiful film award, but it's, like, yeah. really solid, and, it, and like yeah. we talked about, there's a lot of creative camera work and stuff, but that scene in the car looks like almost intentionally really shitty, and it's really weird. The
0: backdrop is black and white, which I don't know why. And it's, like, moving
1: all over the place in this really artificial way, and it's, like, at no other point in the movie does he do anything else like that, where it's, like, oh, we're intentionally trying to, like, feel like this is some artificial, fake, old-timey thing. Like, it doesn't make a lot of sense because it feels
0: intentional, doesn't it? I'm sure it was, and I would imagine that, like you know, there's a lot of interesting little sort of insert kind of weird things in this movie like that, like where she draws the, what she's like, don't be a square or and it was then a rectangle. draws a rectangle. <laughs> yeah. uh, so I don't actually know. I guess I would say most of the things that are like that in this movie all kind of work and that one doesn't. I'm not sure. Because it just
1: feels like a bad driving scene. It does. It never yeah. crosses some line into feeling like a stylistic exactly. thing. Exactly,
0: yeah. And yeah. so I don't know what, fell apart there but you're right it's like that's that's one kind of strange element of this movie where they were clearly doing something but that something didn't work and most of the time the something does work
1: yeah is that it for Pulp Fiction
0: I think that's it for Pulp Fiction absolutely love this film five out of five stars or whatever it's
1: it's it's really great even for someone like me who maybe doesn't love like movies that are really 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 dialogue heavy like just that the, the, the content is like mostly in the script um and I wouldn't say that's necessarily true for this movie in all the scenes. There's some scenes that are just, it's just the script. But there's a, there's kind of a mix. Um, oh,
0: you know what one thing we should mention? What? Uh, really good, it's ensemble cast. Yeah. Also ensemble music. Great music oh, selection. Yeah. The music really he, reinforces Tito this movie. Quentin Tarantino always does this. Yeah.
1: He's, he, all of his movies have mu- music that he's like, chosen like pre-existing like songs and stuff and he always does a really good job he's got great taste
0: so i would say that that's another thing to note about this movie is the the music contextualizes a lot of these there's selected songs throughout this film and they do a great job of like pulling everything together and keeping this sort of tone throughout the movie uh in terms of the sort of the audio backdrop of what's happening and uh and i thought that was great as well
1: yeah absolutely so is that it that's it that's it We'll be back uh, next week with a totally different style movie, which is 12 Angry Men. Oh. We will do that next week. We will. And we'll see you there.
0: All right. Take it easy, everybody.
1: Bye. Bye.